Perspectives in Adult Education, your online resource for adult education practitioners. Brought to you by LabR Learning Resources at www.labr.net. Welcome to today's podcast where we're going to talk about whether andragogy can actually help reduce high school dropout rates. So hang on to your headphones, we'll be right back. The number of high school dropouts each year is a considerable concern to educators, parents, and should be of concern to the American public at large. The state of the situation, causes, and actions were carefully studied and reported by Bridgeland, Dulio, and Balfans in their 2009 report on the front lines of schools, perspectives of teachers and principals on the high school dropout problem. This report is a follow-up to research conducted by Civic Enterprises in 2006. The 2006 research identified that most of the students who dropped out could have succeeded and how the impact to the individual, the economy, and society were largely unknown. With United States President Barack Obama indicating that dropping out of high school is no longer an option, the report was hoping to educate the awareness level among the interested groups to continue to focus on the problem. The report identified the major reasons why students drop out, which are not enough support at home, missed too many days in catch-up, spends time with people who are not interested in school, not prepared for high school, starts off behind, and bored or doesn't find schoolwork interesting. These are all reasons why students drop out, with the majority of educators interviewed for the report indicating that the lack of support in the home is the primary factor. The report also indicated few educators, however, placed much responsibility on themselves or the school system. Could there be another explanation? Is it possible that students do not understand how they prefer to acquire and process new information and teachers are not aware of or integrating multiple learning styles into the classroom? Could shifting from the traditional pedagogical model to an andragogical model help relieve some of the problems? The teaching process associated with children is pedagogy and is suited for children who are in a compulsory attendance situation and where they are ex simply expected to learn the material. Pedagogy can be considered the art or science of teaching children where the teacher is the authority, figure, and expert in the subject material and the students are not involved in the planning or decisions with regard to their learning. This makes the students passively involved with the teaching process. We are simply required to listen, engage in discussions, and learn material by rote. Andragogy, on the other hand, is the teaching approach used with adults where they choose to indicate some form of learning for personal interest or personal or career development. Merely saying that every high school student should be considered an adult would seem ludicrous to many parents and other members of society. Society places specific expectations and criteria on when a person is considered an adult. 
There are many young adults who are often considered mature for their age and equally as many adults who are considered childish when compared to their peers. Consequently, we cannot simply treat all students according to one approach or the other. High school students are very difficult from students in elementary school. High school students are typically adolescents who are struggling with the new realities of their physical and social development. Carl Jung, a student of Freud, focused on adult development and proposed that the young adult is still highly caught up in the emotional involvements and conflicts of childhood and is hard-pressed to cope with the demands of family, work, and community. Daniel Levinson proposed a life cycle view to adult development in his book The Seasons of a Man's Life. He explained that there are several distinct phases in the development of the person, including childhood and adolescence, early adulthood, middle adulthood, and late adulthood. These phases proposed by Levinson are similar, although not an exact match, to the stages documented by Isidore Seville, childhood, puteria, adolescence, youth, maturity, and old age. Worth noting is the overlap across these various phases, which Levinson characterized as transitional phases, which require basic changes in the fabric of one's life, and consistently take four or five years for each transition to occur. These transitional phases are important elements to establish a linkage between each phase and may result in the individual questioning their actions in a previous phase and determining if they are still applicable in their current development phase. These transitions are called early childhood transition, early adult transition, midlife transition, and late adult transition. To even the naked eye, specific life events obviously match up to the development phases and transitions. Elementary school occurs during the childhood and adolescence phase, college typically occurs in the adult transition, and even into early adulthood. Rather than focus on ego like his mentor Freud, Eric Erickson focused on the development of identity throughout life. Erickson created the phrase identity crisis to describe a lack of confidence or knowledge regarding one's role in life. Erickson developed a model of the stages of identity development similar to Lovinger's model of ego development. Erickson based his identity development research on the importance of social interaction rather than biology like Freud and many of his counterparts. Erickson described identity as a subjective sense as well as an observable quality of personal sameness and continuity paired with some belief in the sameness and continuity of some shared world image. As a quality of unself-conscious living, this can be gloriously obvious in a young person who has found himself as he has found his community in him we see emerge a unique unification of what is irreversibly given, that is body type and temperament, giftedness and vulnerability, infantile models and acquired ideals, 
with the open choices provided in available roles, occupational possibilities, values offered, mentors meant, friendships made, and first sexual encounters. With such broad ranges in developmental aspects, one have to ask is society as a whole and has adequately addressed the dropout problem. As mentioned previously, there are a number of different factors identified in the civic enterprises research. Some will require changes at the societal level, some in legislation, and some in school administration and support programs. Could the high school dropout rates be reduced by changing the way we teach these students? Could a transition to andragogy assist both the teacher and the student? These are very difficult questions to answer without empirical research. However, several reasons why high school students drop out are worth special review, because they call to mind if there is a change needed in the educational philosophy when teaching high school students. Two of the reasons for the dropout problem are boredom and a lack of relevance to real life. Boredom is defined in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary as the state of being weary and restless through lack of interest. This implies the student's attention is not being held by the teacher or by the material. An alternative view is the material is not being presented to the student according to their individual learning preferences. Boredom also suggests a lack of involvement in the material or understanding in how the material will prepare the student for their later careers. The study identified that 42% of teachers believed students who identified boredom as to why they dropped out were simply making excuses and not identifying a cause. Boredom can be caused by many things in the student's internal environment, such as fatigue, lack of concentration, hunger, and their external environment, such as the placement of the chairs in the class, lighting, temperature, and the sound of the teacher's voice. Listening is a learning mode commonly associated with classrooms. The students are passively involved while the teacher is speaking and conveying information. The primary learning style used by the student is listening. Consequently, those students whose preference is something other than listening will not be engaged in the lecture process. Some students can easily observe a task and repeat it without intervention from the teacher. They may even be able to quickly find an alternative method to perform the task which works just as well. These visual learners can easily translate the information they receive through a more visual learning mode into knowledge. Other students may need to have the direct hands-on activity to learn, relying upon their kinesthetic or tactile learning style. Some students may need the information presented in one or more different formats to be able to acquire the learning. Unfortunately, many high school classrooms do not present the information to address these different learning styles. Indeed, the students may themselves not even be aware that they have a preference, making it even more difficult for them to try and improve. 
Considering the passive nature of the typical high school classroom, students who are not engaged because of differences in learning style or preference, or because they don't understand the context or relevance of the material, will easily become bored. Additionally, depending upon the teacher's presentation style, it may be difficult for the students to determine which of the information is important, since not all information conveyed in a learning is of equal importance. This leads to frustration for the student, who may study the wrong material and later do poorly on tests and assignments. If we also approach the problem of relevance, the study highlighted the focus group comments where students criticized teachers for employing a lecture-based method instead of involving them in the classwork. It may therefore be possible that simple pedagogy is not the correct approach. Malcolm Knows uh, defined andragogy through six principles, as illustrated here. Now, most high school-age students will not fall into the majority of andragogical principles, but the one which is most applicable in the context of the high school dropout problem is that of needing to know why they need to learn something before undertaking to learn it. Needing to know why is critical to this discussion. Because what the adult is looking for, and in this case the student who cannot see the relevance of the material, is the context. Additionally, that the students indicated their interest in being involved with the classwork suggests an element of interest in what specifically they are learning and how they are learning it, again suggesting a degree of self-directedness. In this one specific area of the report, two indicators that andragogy is a reasonable approach were identified. As you will recall, there is some differences in the developmental stages across the psychologists, but there is some agreement that early adulthood incorporates the ages of the typical high school student, with a stronger emphasis on establishing context and adjusting the classroom presentation to incorporate broader learning styles, or assisting the student in understanding their learning preferences and how to use them effectively, it may be possible to further reduce the high school dropout rate. This theory cannot be easily tested without actually implementing it in a controlled situation, but that would also require identifying students who would be prone to dropping out, which biases the sample and the result. Only with further research could it be determined if such an idea as those presented here are plausible and worth further investigation. After all the research is reviewed and the focus groups meet and discuss new strategies to combat the prob dropout problem, little will have changed in the classroom. The classes will still use traditional seating arrangements, still emphasize the teacher as expert, and still have the teacher dictate, based upon the state requirements, what will be learned and how it will be learned. Even with solutions to many of the other problems affecting the dropout issue, failing to examine and make changes in how the required coursework is taught and how the students are involved in their learning will likely not result in significant changes to the national high school dropout rate. And that concludes today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening and check out our information at LabR Learning Resources. You'll find us on the net at www.labr.net.